Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to another episode of the How I Quit Alcohol podcast. For first-time listeners, please be aware that not all of the conversations within this podcast are suitable for children. I'd also like to add a trigger warning that sometimes the conversations can get a little heavy. We may talk about things like sexual abuse, domestic violence, drug use and alcohol use. And if you feel that that may trigger you, please do not tune in. Also, I'd like to add, if you are a heavy daily drinker, please seek the help of a medical practitioner before quitting alcohol. This podcast comes to you from beautiful Bunjalung country. Please kick back and enjoy. Grab yourself your favorite alcohol-free bevy. And if you haven't already, do a gal a favor. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom room, I'm joined yet again. It's been a while, the beautiful, the amazing Sam Brown. How are you, darling? Oh, I'm so good. It's so nice to be back. It's been a as you said, it's been a while. <laughs> oh my God, we've missed you so much. I've had many an email from people going, when's Sam Brown coming back? I actually had one the other day saying, I love those soul talks you did with Sam Brown. They were just amazing. And when is she coming back? But you've been on a big journey, which is one of the reasons I want to get you on today. Any excuse I can have to get you on this podcast, of course. But I wanted to talk with you today about the big curveballs that you've been thrown recently and just that work around... What do you do when life throws you a big fucking curveball? <laughs> so firstly, how are you today? I'm good. I'm great today. It's uh, I've had a beautiful yoga class this morning and just doing all the yummy things that fill us up. And that's, you know, it's always been part of my practice, but now more so than ever after this curveball of a year. Yeah, I find now I just really 
I need those practices. I need everything. I've always had them in place, but it's just like I'm taking it to the next level, let's say. Yeah, so biggest curveball of my life that hit me, well, when was it? It was the beginning of February this year. And I may have mentioned in the podcast previously, I had this great year planned this year. We were moving overseas. We're going to Bali. Kids were being homeschooled. We had our house rented out. We were just off on this big adventure and then heading off to Brazil. And we were packing up the house ready to go. My mom had a pain in her breast and went and got diagnosed. And we soon found out she had stage four lung cancer with METs to the liver and uh, the lymph. So massive, massive curveball. She was we were planning her 60th, her 70th birthday in Bali. Everything was just looking like the biggest and best year ever. And then all of a sudden, everything just got turned upside down. So it just, you know, our parents, they're the foundation of us. They're our stability and our the essence of where we've come from and, and who we are. And when their life is threatened in that way, it just, it really tested my practice, my my everything was questioned. So yeah, so then I had to support her through that journey, which was probably one of the toughest things I've ever experienced. And so when you say that you had to support her, obviously that meant the cancelling of all the plans and the house being rented out and the everything was booked for overseas. I remember talking to you at the time when you told me what was going on with your mum and just like, oh my God, and then having to cancel everything. And I think for you, it was just pretty clear what you had to do. And I guess it would be for anyone, I guess, whose parents are faced with their potentially life-threatening illness. How was that for you when you had to kind of cancel everything? How did that feel? Oh, it was massive. I had four retreats booked that were selling out. I had work was flowing. Everything was just flowing so beautifully. And then it was just cut. But it's like in that moment, and I remember it so clearly, it's like the moment I found out I was pregnant and I just opened a business. It was like, okay, well, this is what life's delivering me right now. How do I show up for this moment? So although it was hard, I knew what I had to do. And luckily we were able to get out of the rent situations and properties in Bali that we'd rented. So luckily things kind of fell into place, but it was a complete absolute put down of anything and everything. As you would have seen social media, I disappeared for, for everything for that time because I knew it was my time to step up and honour my mom and just be there as fully, as most present and loving uh, as I can. So that's exactly what I did. I just put everything aside and stepped into the place of carer nurturer. I was driving it back and forth to the hospital. I was doing all, all the things. We're driving all over Sydney, all over New South Wales, actually. At the start, I was trying to find her the best doctor and the best natural therapist. And I was really driven on the natural way and really clear how I would like her to tackle what was in front of her. But what I soon realized that that wasn't really, that didn't really go to plan. <laughs> there was a little bit of resistance and I just knew that she wasn't kind of on that same path. So Pretty quickly, I had to learn and to accept that this was her journey, not mine. And I had to put down my needs and wants and beliefs around how do you treat a terminal illness such as cancer and really honour. She had full faith in the doctors and that's how she'd always been. So I just had to honour that path for her and walk that path with her alongside her. It's really hard, isn't it? When we have an idea of what we want, like even when my dad was dying and we went that full natural route at first and he got into, we got him into a remission that went for two years. His remission was amazing mm. when it came back because he kind of dropped all the, the things that we were doing. 
and when the cancer came back, I was like, oh, well, it's clear, Dad. We've just got to get back on and, and do what we were doing before. But I don't think he wanted to. Like, I think he'd done that and he got the two years that he wanted. It's like spot on exactly what he wanted he got. And he was ready. And I remember getting a bit angry, like just like, what, why? But it was my fear. That was my also my fear of losing him. Mm. But it was his journey out of here had to be his own journey out of here and not, nothing to do with me. It's really interesting when you have to just let go of that and surrender. And it's just like surrendering to everything that's showing up in the universe because things often when they're not going the way we want, when we fight them, it causes us so much suffering. But And when people don't want to die the way we want them to die or do their illness how we want them to do their illness, it's hard. It's yeah. a hard thing, isn't it? But we, what do we do? We just have to honour what they want, right? Yeah. How did that feel like at first? Because I know it's okay for us to say, oh, well, we had to accept it. You go through a process too because I want to be clear here, it's not like we're just completely zen about these things all the time. Like I don't know about you, Sam. Like I said, I went through a bit of an angry phase and a bit of a holding on phase. How was it for you? Or were you just completely like, yep, okay. Obviously the the shock at the start was probably the most intense. Like I was like, it just came from nowhere too because she was so healthy. Like she was 70. She worked two jobs. She was such a giver in the community and she was so, um, she was healthy. You would look at her and think picture of health. So it really took us by surprise. Once I kind of knew what we were dealing with, I knew the severity of it. I went full stream into like research the hell out of everything. And I found every remedy, doctor, treatment, everything. And I just, I laid it all out for her and I said, these are the things that I found for you. Like, what do you want to try? And I could tell she was kind of like a bit half-hearted and then she decided to try chemo, which was essentially what probably took her out in the end. But I feel like I did the groundwork and I gave it to her. And then I I really did feel like I stepped back and I was like, okay, here it is for you. There was a bit of gentle nudging and coercion, like, come on, like try this. But I could see, I could feel that it wasn't in alignment with what she wanted. So yeah, I pretty much just, I surrendered. It wasn't what I wanted, but I could see that this was her journey. This was her path. And it wasn't my place to try and make it anything other. I could be there and support and I could offer this, but if she wasn't willing to accept or take that on, then who am I to force it? And it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel right at all. I knew when I was pushing too hard and I knew to back off. So yeah, hard to suck it up because health is my thing. I'm so passionate about health and living well. And so when it's my thing and I know so much about it, it was, it was hard. But that was the biggest lesson for me too, is acceptance. It's not my journey. It's her journey. So mm-hmm. hard, but also too, I felt a blessing in that. It was a big, it was a, a big moment for me to step back mm-hmm. and uh, just be there, be present. In the end, what I found was the biggest gift I could give to her was my deepest presence, just being with her, just mm-hmm. sitting with her and just being there fully. Like I would take in the information from the doctors and feel the overwhelm and the fear come through. And then I'd be like, okay, this is what's here. This is what's present. How can we be with this and just be here together? So I really did drop in and it was hard. I'd care for her all day, all night. Then I'd come in the bath and I'd bawl my eyes out for an hour. Then I'd go to sleep and I'd get up and I'd do the same thing in the morning. I'd go and shower and put put on my happy face and just be present and be with her. But I was breaking at the same time too. I was watching someone die in front of me and she was in our care at that stage. She was living in my house. I had a nurse living here. So it was really a lot. Yeah, such a big, big journey, isn't it? Probably one of the most, 
I don't know, potent things to go through to sit there and honor someone and be with them as they are passing certainly made me grow as a human going through that with dad. And one thing that I'll never change. And I, I was able to see it through the lens as hard as it was. Oh my God, it was so heartbreaking, but being able to see it as potentially a beautiful process as well that mm. he was going through. And I really do believe, like, I honestly do believe that we go over and we're in this place of love on the other side. And that's what I held on to. And, you know, I really believe that. So that also gave me strength to hold on and not fight what was happening just to be there. Just to be there is pretty amazing. Yeah. One of the biggest things that I realized too is even when I was 18, I read the book, the Tibetan book of living and dying. So I've always had this like, let's say curiosity or openness towards death. So I feel like that really served me in that time, although fear definitely came up and pain came up. I think just honoring that death is a part of life and can we really open into that and accept that fully? So I think that acceptance of that as just part of this game we're playing, this role, this journey that we're having is this is part of the game. So as cruel and as harsh as it is, I fell back into my spiritual understanding, my spiritual beliefs at that time is that it's just the body that's going to be dropping away because when I fell into it and even in the moment of watching her pass, it's once the breath left her body, the spirit left, then the body was just this shell. So I could really see in that moment that she wasn't that body. She was that breath, that life force, that essence. And that just came out of her and just melded into the everything. So that's kind of obviously down the track a little bit, but I had that awareness at the time that it isn't the end per se for her. It's the end of this body and the body's breaking down. So I feel like that awareness of death and that understanding of death and acceptance of death as part of life helped me accept the inevitability of what was happening before my eyes. So I think there's so much fear around death and we really try and push it away. And it's such an uncomfortable thing to be with, but it can actually be a really beautiful thing. And I think the more that I fell into that as it being a beautiful transition, a beautiful progression and ending of this moment, I was able to show up more fully. So like for her 70th birthday, I filled the whole house with flowers. I got a florist to come in at seven o'clock in the morning and I spent thousands of dollars, (laughs) silly or crazy, but I just wanted each moment to be so beautiful. And I wanted it to really be an honoring of, of her and her life, not this sad, traumatic ending. I wanted it to be beautiful for her all the way to the end. So I still, you know, had my cousin here playing guitar, singing to her two days before. We just made sure that every moment she was just walked home, like she was just surrounded by love. She was surrounded by family. All my kids were here. Actually, the moment she passed, I was in bed just chanting mantra to her and just holding her hand when she took her last breath. So part of me was hurting, but part of me was just wanting to make it the most beautiful experience I could for her and for my family, for us to be not afraid of death. Yeah, it's beautiful. And it can be that beautiful process you can make it beautiful there can be music and celebration and yeah that's what I found and I think that that made the process easier for me and my family too to make the room in which they were in like a very sacred space and I wouldn't let anyone put any tv on or you know just like music and candles and rubbing of the skin and gently holding and kissing and loving and just so beautiful what a beautiful way to leave this world too with so much love I think it can be such a celebration as well, as well as sadness. One thing I was just reflecting on when you were talking 
I noticed at times when I was hanging on and really upset and scared when I was afraid of letting go, it was like it was a little girl part of me. It was like little Danny who was scared to lose this person. So I'm hanging on and that was making me scared. But when I would be in a place of acceptance, it was almost like adult spiritual Danny, who's very different to little Danny, who's a scared, vulnerable child. Does that make sense to you at all, Sam? Like the two different parts that can sometimes show up. And it's interesting to note what part of us is showing up when we're in a different state. I know oftentimes for me, when there's fear, it's usually the child part of me, I hope this probably sounds super woo-woo, but Mm. it's the child part in me that feels that fear and vulnerability. When I come at it as a resourced adult, one that's a bit more of a spiritual being perhaps as well, I feel I'm okay with this. I'm grounded in this moment. I'm in a much better place of acceptance. It's interesting to see the two interplaying and the two versions of me playing out. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I think this process of fear and sadness is all part of life. We weren't thrown on this planet just to have all the good things at us. That's not the life experience. It's the both spectrums, the good and the bad. And so every time I notice deep sadness or fear or whatever it was that was coming up, uh, instead of constricting down on it and closing it in, what I noticed I was able to do most of the time was open into it and to feel it and and be like, as you say, which part of me is feeling fearful right now? And and it's interesting you say small child, small Danny, small Sam was there and it was like, okay, so what what does that part of me need right now? And I'd sort of be in that moment and the idea of losing your mum is probably one of the greatest pains you can have. But as soon as I held that part of myself and I was just with it and it's like, it's okay to feel sadness. It's okay to feel fear. This is normal to feel that. Instead of pushing it away, instead of grabbing your drink and trying to suppress these feelings that are coming up that are part of the life, the human experience, I was able to have enough awareness just to be with it. And what I found that when I was present with that feeling or that emotion and gave it time and gave it space, what happened naturally is it just started to soften and ease off. I noticed it would just pass through and then I'd go back about serving and doing what needed to be done and then the the wave would come again and it's like, okay, what needs attention within me now? So it's it was this real process of like bodily sensations and overwhelming emotions and it was like kind of testing me, like how evolved are you in your practice really? Like here is the hardest lesson you'll ever have and how are you going to show up? And honestly, I can say it just served me so well because I felt like I was just carried through this journey, like excruciatingly painful, but the whole way I was like, I'm I'm actually okay. Like I'm okay. I'm feeling the pain. I'm feeling the sadness, but I was okay. I wasn't broken. Mm. I think that that's a big part too in allowing ourselves to feel, to Mm. feel these deepest emotions because it was really part of the the healing process for me and it still is like I handed the keys back to her apartment just two days ago and even then I had a big cry and I just allowed myself to sit in the car and have that moment of it's okay to feel sad it's a closing the doors it was it was the physical handing over and it was the the shutting off of that part of my life and I just gave it a moment I gave it space I gave it compassion and then I you know took a deep breath and walked into the real estate and handed the key back and I just feel like those moments are opportunities to help process these moments in our life. Otherwise, what we do is stuff them down and and they come up. They, they resurface at some part or time in our life if we don't process them as we're going along. So, yeah, that was a big lesson, just giving time and space to whatever's coming up. Absolutely. Well, you said allowing yourself to feel all those big feelings that come up. And 
I end up coaching so many people who have been through a grief or they're grieving because they're about to lose someone and they don't know what to do with that pain or they've lost someone and they drank their way through it. And fair enough, I get it. There's no judgment here. I totally understand, especially when you don't have the tools. It's different for you and I. We've been on this journey for a long time. We've got a lot of tools to support us. Some people don't have that or they've lost sight of it because they're so in it and they've ended up relying on alcohol to push away those feelings. But I mean, this is what I talk about all the time is feeling your feelings, but allowing those big feelings in. And yes, they are very big. They can be very overwhelming, but what's the alternative here? We push them away and they're going to come back at some stage eventually anyway. So just allowing them to be there because they're part of that grief. And that's the thing about grief. I can't remember who's this, but it demands to be felt. Grief yeah. has to be felt in mm. order to process. And it's part of life that we're all going to go through. We can't spend our life afraid of death and afraid of grief because then we're afraid of life. Yeah, we're afraid of living, right. And there's this great saying, I can't remember who it was either, I think it was a Tibetan teacher, and it's just like how we live is how we die, how we move through life. Because what I saw with my mum too, which was really interesting, she died very efficiently. It was a very efficient passing. Mm -hmm. But she just, she was just in life. So when I watched her passing, there was no kind of fear. Like there was acceptance in her through the whole process as well, although she didn't want to go. But it was so that made her death somewhat, I'm not going to say easier, but there was something in that, that the way that her, her life transitioned, it was just like this seamless stream from in to out. And I thought that was a beautiful just acknowledgement. I was like, wow. I'm sure there was some fear in there with her, but she had acceptance. And so there was no tension in the process. It just kind of, it just happened very kind of effortlessly. Yeah, I get that. That kind of, it just happens. I don't know if you remember this phone conversation we had recently. And I was saying to you, I noted that when my dad passed, he took his inhale and then he breathed out. And then it's like almost with, okay, this might get woo-woo, but that kind of sense of when you exhale, it's like a letting go, isn't it? And it's like there is acceptance as well in there. You know, where like when you say to someone, okay, now breathe in and breathe out and relax. And there's yeah. that almost that acceptance and just letting go. I feel like when people pass, they don't breathe in and they don't inhale and hold it. They ex The last thing we do is exhale. Oh, yeah. The last thing we do is surrender and yeah. give over. And in that is mm. is where the ease comes from. It's the same in like when you're having a baby, like childbirth. You know, mm. the more you tense up, the more painful it is, but the more you can let go and go into the process, it's still painful, but the more it just naturally flows through. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something in this morning and this process too, is that what I noticed with myself is that as pain was coming, suffering only came the moment I was holding on. So the moment I was holding on and trying to blame the doctor or trying to blame this or that, or why me? Why did she have to go now? Like I went into that a little bit for a little moment of like, she was only 70. She was too young. She was too this. She was too that. What I could see was happening in my mind is I would hold on to this idea of it shouldn't have happened. And then I could feel it in my body physically, like the tension, the tightness, and this overwhelming feeling of suffering. Like that's the way I can describe it, the difference between suffering and pain. So pain is inevitable in life, but I think suffering is really optional. It's Ooh, say that again, repeat. Sorry, pain, it's so good. Pain is inevitable in life. We're all going to experience pain, but suffering is optional. Suffering is optional. 
Amazing. Yeah. So what I could see was happening with me was like, the more I held on to the story and the, as I said, the, the blaming to the doctors, because that, that was a big part of, if you didn't have chemo, you'd still be here. And I ran that story in my mind for quite a while. And that just made me super angry. And that's where the suffering was coming from. Cause then I would go into a whole big story and I'm writing a letter and I'm the doctor just do this and blah, blah, blah. And then it was just more suffering. And then I perpetuate more and more and more until the story got so big that I was furious with the medical system. And I was like ranting on to anyone that would listen at that time. And then I was like, whoa, okay. So how does this feel in my body right now? And I'd be like, oh, I feel shit. This feels terrible. I feel tight. I feel tense. I feel frustrated. And then I'd be like, well, what if I can accept that this was just her journey? What if I can accept that no matter what I did or said, couldn't have changed the outcome? The moment I did that, I just felt this peace come over me. I just felt this deep, okay. And I could see, all right, so maybe potentially I'm creating all this suffering. And if I can just accept that this was her path, then I feel okay. I can accept that it wasn't as long of a life that I would have liked it to be. But who am I? This is it. I'm not, I'm not the boss of this big play. So when we put our expectations onto situations and when it doesn't play out that way, the way that we want it to, that is where the suffering comes from. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the moment we can accept, yes, there is pain in our life. Can we be with that pain? Then what I experienced again is that the pain comes and then it goes and then it comes and then it goes. It's not like this full body contraction where it overtakes every part of us. And then we're stuck in it and then it becomes heavy and we become sunken down and depressed. And, you know, that is really the expression of depression is the pushing down of the stuff. So, yeah, there was a lot of big moments, a lot of big, deep lessening from all the spiritual teachings that I read. I felt like I was given the the physical experience of it now, the experiential experience to say, okay, you Mm -hmm. intellectually think you know all this, let's put it to the test. Mm -hmm. It really was the path for freedom for me was that surrender, letting go and acceptance and acceptance Mm. that we all have our own life journey. And I even asked my teacher recently, he was here from India because something that kept coming through to me too, and which it it was something that gave me great peace was what if our life journey is already written? What if our time of death is already written and there's nothing we can do about it? And there was something in that that gave me great peace because I accepted that this was her time. It didn't matter if she did have the chemo or she didn't have the chemo, if the doctors did this or did that, maybe this was just her time. So that gave me another level of acceptance that ultimately we're not in control of this as much as we would like to be. Uh, So it was all those little bits that really helped me move through this process with, I'm going to say ease because it, I know how painful this can be for people. And I did feel like I flowed through it with a sense of ease and support. Yes, there were so many tears and there still is. I'm still crying all the time, but I don't feel stuck in this suffering. I feel like the tears are almost beautiful. It's just an honoring of her life, of our love, what we shared. And that's okay. There's no pushing away of that. And how I be with that now, which is just such a funny thing, because my mum was a clean freak. She just had everything spotless and always on top of all the washing in my house and everything. And so now the kind of joke in our house is what would Pats do? Like what, what would she do? So I feel like that's the gift that we take from their life. It's like 
what were the lessons that they showed us? And then how do we integrate that into our life? And what I've found is like grief leaves this big void, this big hole where that person once took up. And what I see myself doing now is that I'm in the laundry. I'm like, okay, so what would mum do now? And I feel like I fill that space up with her essence of what she taught me or what she showed me, or I don't know, there's something in that, that just, it fills that space and softens the the depth of that hole. Yeah. Kat Dunnell, who was on the podcast recently, who was only a couple of weeks ago, she lost her husband to melanoma. And what an amazing story that was with a huge response to that particular episode. And she talked about like finding gratitude every day that she was grieving and she looked for the gifts that he left her. So it's interesting that you say that too, that finding those gifts. And I think that's true. Like when we look for the gifts that that person has given us. So our time that we were graced with, with that person, yeah, noticing what and taking note of the gifts and those things that they've given us, that they've left us, the Mm. imprint that they've left on us and how we can just hold that and cherish that and expand on that even. And the other thing I just wanted to say was in case I forget it, that just because the physical body has died, the relationship doesn't need to end there. Like my relationship with my dad is maybe even deeper now that he's gone because I speak to him every day in such a deep way and I I laugh with him and dance with him around my kitchen, all these things. But the relationship is not ended because his body's not with me anymore. I keep the relationship going. And I think it's important for people to realize that too, that we can keep that relationship going by still honoring them and cherishing those gifts that they left. And I think that does that. When people feel really overwhelmed, when they're in that space of, particularly when they're going through that time of saying goodbye to a loved one, and it's so big and there's so much family around, there's so many things to tackle. There's, it's not just the fact this person's leaving us, it's all the other stuff that comes along with it. It can be really fucking huge. And I guess all that stress too can probably potentially lead to people wanting to reach for externals. And you talked about creating space. And one thing that just dropped into me when you were saying that is allowing yourself some time, perhaps at the end of the day or during the day to just sit in stillness or maybe sit with a journal and just let give yourself time alone to process everything that's happening so that we're not just running on adrenaline all the time and running on what needs to be doing and, and filling our minds up with busyness but to take that time, yeah, to do, what would you say to that? Yeah, absolutely. Time to just be with whatever's present. I had a few moments where I just would go to bed for the day. I would just go and have a lay down, have a sleep. And I had no guilt or no shame around that. In those moments that felt big and overwhelming and I didn't know what to do with myself, I would ask myself, what do I need right now? And a lot of the time it was rest. I just needed to rest. I'd been holding together the house and, and as I said, the support of mum for all that time. And I was physically exhausted by the end of it. So I gave myself that time and space to rest. And practice for me obviously was the, I can't even tell you, if, if I didn't have this practice, the breath work and meditation, I honestly, I don't know how I would have got up each day because I needed something to stabilize myself every day. I needed something to discharge the stress out of my system. I'd go in out and do my breath work out on the rocks at the front of my house and, and breathe and clear. And I would just feel into this space and I'd be like, right, I've got some strength, something back again. And I'm going to share something else, which was one of the most foundational things that got me through this time 
was jumping in the cold water every day, jumping in the ocean, because what I found is that we're, we're stuck in this state, like we're stuck in this stress state. And what the cold water does is shocks you the hell out of that. <laughs> it changes your physical state and it just changes something inside of you. It's uncomfortable. It's challenging. It challenges you mentally, but internally we need to break that state because we, we need to shift it up because that stuck in that stress for so long becomes so heavy and so tense and so tiring that I found like every morning when I jumped in that cold, even when I didn't want to, it just did something to me. It just really snapped me out of it. It put my system in a bit of a stress state and then it just brought me back online fully. So I felt like when I was showing up for mom, I was there. Like I was, I was fully, fully there. And although the water was cold, it was heading into winter by that time. It was medicine. It was part of the medicine. So I, I highly recommend yeah, the cold. Yeah, I believe too that that conscious discomfort could be great. I don't like just even thinking of that, even just getting into a shower and washing the day off as well, whether it's cold or warm. I think cold is absolutely yeah. 100% great. But just rather than drinking or rather than pushing it away, just giving yourself some nurturance as well at the end of the day when you're at your wit's end and it's just so big and so much can really be helpful too. Any way in which you can nurture yourself or support your nervous system. Every mm-hmm. night as I go to bed, I'd come up and fill the biggest bath with Epsom salts and I would just lay there and cry. And it was just, I don't know, it was a recharge. It really is, I don't know, I really tuned into what it was that I needed and I really needed that nurturing and, and to feel like I was being held and yeah. supported through that. So absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, just asking yourself, what what do I actually need in this moment? Yeah, really, because you get so stuck in the mind at that time. Like the, the brain is in overdrive, the thoughts are in overdrive, and there's so much tension and it's just all a cluttered mess. You can't sort of make sense of what's going on. And I think for me, just like come having that awareness with the breath coming into the body and really like honoring what do I need if I'm going to show up fully for someone. I can't show up if I'm empty and broken. I mean, I can, but I'm not really of of best support at that state. I really took care of myself so I could take care of mum as well. Mm. Yeah. So just having that moment, just tuning in, like, and it's amazing. The body tells you, you know what you need. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. You do. You might want alcohol or you might want an external, but it's not actually what you need. I don't know if you've got the answer to this, Sam, or not, but I was recently talking to someone whose family are fighting because there's a partner that's passing away and one wants to keep them at home, the other wants to send them to a hospital. It's difficult for this person to look after their loved one at home. It's causing a lot of tension and because of the tension that's going on, the fighting and the and also the guilt about because the person wanted to die at home as well. It made them drink a lot to get through that. I mean, that wasn't my experience. It doesn't sound like it was yours either. But what would you say to that, Sam, where someone's got that conflict within the family and how could someone support themselves through that, especially when they feel like this is too much for me, I can't do this, I can't carry this here at home. It's a big one and I see how guilt as well can really come down on people really hard. Yeah, I was really lucky because I'm my mum's only daughter, so I just took full responsibility of those decisions. But as I said at the start, it was really being aware of what my personal needs were. Mum was completely fine up until three days before she passed. She was still walking around and talking and everything. So we just had open conscious communication with her sisters as well because they wanted something different. They were like, no, no, she needs to be in the hospital 
I just honoured what mum wanted and I just made sure I was really calm in my communication with her sisters because obviously it was a painful time for them as well. But, I mean, family is so tricky. If you don't have clear, conscious humans having conscious conversations, it's very hard because our personal needs and expectations get in the way. And so it's not really our true self expressing, it's our scared self or our fearful self, and that's coming up against someone else's scared and fearful self. And so it, it that's what leads to so much confrontation or conflict. So I don't know, it's such an individual thing, isn't it? I mean, the best anyone can ever do is just work on their presence, grounding them, their self. So every time they're in communication on heavy situations, they're coming from the heart, they're not coming from the head and mm. yeah. Probably communicating really openly and honestly to say, yeah, perhaps I'm not coping with this and I'm sorry if you feel like that's let you down, but I can't cope with this. And all you can do is be honest because as soon as we go into dishonesty, the body doesn't like that either. And we don't like that feeling in our body. And of course, perhaps we're reaching for externals in that point or where, yeah, not being truthful can be a big trigger, I think as well, or a big cause to bring us undone so I think it's really important to honor what it is that you are feeling and acknowledging if there is fear guilt and what that part needs as well yeah Sam I wondered if you could do a little maybe a minute or two process that someone could go through when the fear shows up and that fear can get really big it can kind of I did this with a lady who was on my podcast a little while ago, Casey, she lost her brother and she said with the grief, it was so big. And I said, where do you feel it in your body? She said, oh, it's here. It's my throat, my chest. And she used to want to escape that, but now she's able to feel her way through that. So I wondered if for the people listening today and for people who might be going through something like this, let's just say the fear has come up. Could you guide us through a little perhaps meditation or a bit of breath work in which that we could be with that fear in the body? Would that be okay? Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. So obviously if you're driving, perhaps pull over, don't do this while you're driving or do it later. So I guess the first thing to acknowledge is just being aware of the sensations in the body. So fear has an intensity to it. Sadness has an intensity to it that we can normally feel in the body. So the first step is really just tuning in. So you'd be closing the eyes down and just connecting in with the breath. And just feeling into the body sensations. What do you notice? And a lot of the time these emotions express in the belly and in the chest. So you could just take your right hand to your heart, your left hand to your belly. And just applying a little bit of pressure, just holding yourself here. Just allowing yourself to be with the fear or the sadness. Allow yourself to feel it fully. Staying with a steady flow of breath just in and out through the nose. Drawing the breath all the way down to the belly. And long exhale out through the nose. Soften, relax, release. Inhale, draw the breath into the belly. 
Exhale, soften, relax, release. Three more breaths like that, really creating a sense of expansion on the inhale, creating some space as you exhale, really feel a softening in the body. Just letting the breath flow naturally. Again, just tuning in to the sensations in the body. What do you notice? If it's fear, if it's sadness, frustration, and you just simply make space for that part of yourself. Can you hold that part of yourself? And can you allow it just to simply be there? Noticing what happens as you hold yourself in this way, in total acceptance, knowing it's completely okay to feel all these feels. It's part of being human. It's breathing into the heart, finding your center. Feeling the breath just anchoring you to your center. You yourself grounded, stable. So you relax the hands down to the legs. Letting the breath flow freely, effortlessly. And just bringing awareness back to the space as you're ready. Notice how you feel, what's the feeling in the body. What I noticed with myself, there would just be a softening. And that softening was enough to take the pressure off. Mm, that was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. That could be a lovely practice as well, even if it's not grief, just whatever big feelings are showing up or a craving for alcohol, a craving for anything, just to sit when something's grabbed you and got you by the balls a little bit to mm. sit and do a practice like that. Oof, that was beautiful, Sam. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, Thank thing, you. The thing about those big emotions to all those big moments, they're trying to get our attention. It's that's it's happening to us to get our attention. So it needs our attention. It doesn't need our pushing away or our trying to stuff it away or moving away from. It's actually calling us to come closer to. 
So remembering that, like when that comes up, can you open your heart towards it instead of close your heart down and contract from it? Mm-hmm. That's a real nice practice as well. It's like how open can I be with this discomfort? How open can I be with the intensity of these emotions? And that is how we process this stuff, by meeting it, by welcoming it, by holding it and just simply being with it. And it moves through. This is life. It's like life is this continual flow. The more we constrict, the more we resist, the more it keeps coming up against us. But it's like how much can we let go? How much can we surrender and go with the flow of life? And that's where the ease of life comes. There's still painful moments and there's still hard times in life, but can we flow with them instead of resist and contract and close down? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely beautiful, Sam. And so well said. And also I'll just add to that as well, just acknowledging that it's okay to be sad. You said that earlier too, Sam. It's fitting that there's sadness there. Why should there not be? I know my husband told me this saying, I don't know where he got it from. He said, God asked if you wanted to come and have this experience of life and you were just given all the good, all the happy moments, all the joyous moments, all the exciting moments, all the fun moments would that be what you would come here for? And the answer is kind of like, well, then you're only living a half a life. So we're here to have this full experience of life, this full range of life, the joy, the sorrow, the pain, the beauty, all of it, all of it is part of the experience. And can we dance in that divinity, in that beauty? Mm-hmm. And instead of seeing things as bad or shouldn't happen, or it's like, this is life. This is it. This is what we signed up for. <laughs> Imagine if we could go through life to, if we could really welcome those big challenging times with open arms to say, yep, this is part of my experience and I'm going What's to. Like, lesson? What's the, yeah. What's this moment? Because that's the thing too, every moment's here to deliver us a lesson. So it's if we see things through that lens as opposed of, oh, my God, this is bad, I don't want this experience, and turn it around and go, all right, what have I got to learn here? This is great. I feel fearful. I feel anxious. This is a great moment. There's something to learn. So if we can turn our perspective, our lens, and see through that filter instead of the, oh, no, it shouldn't be this, is like, hell yes, bring it on. I'm here. I'm ready to learn. Yeah, I've 100% believe that too. And I've been going, especially the last sort of little while of just going through this practice of just surrendering to every moment that shows up and not fighting it. And there's always something on the other side of this. Anyway, I was talking to the current challenge group about this just the other day where you just know, like the survival rate is a hundred percent. I heard that somewhere from something that's not mine. Our challenging times have a hundred percent survival rate if we're still here. So we've got through and we always learn something on the other side of it. And so th- there's been some big things showing up recently here and it's just like, I'm not fussed. I'm like, I know it's going to be okay. Like whatever is going to come at us, it's going to be okay. And usually when you get to that place of surrender, there is a beautiful gift waiting on the other side of it anyway. So I can honestly say, hand on heart, I don't fight the big stuff that shows up. I just let go and just think, and it's especially lately, I think it's just as your practice deepens, you go through something, you learn from holding on tight, realize I'm just going to let go. As soon as I let go, let my ego go, let it all go. There's just something beautiful on the other side. And it's, it's just so great. And yeah. That's the only thing certain in life is change. <laughs> totally. And it's like, totally. I don't know why we think that things have to stay the same because it's not the law of nature. Everything's always changing, but we try and hold on and we're like, no, we need it to be like this or we need it to be a certain way and wonder why we suffer. The more we let go, the more freedom we have. And it's actually really fun. Like it's, 
it's a ride for sure, but you just ride it so much more gracefully. You know, there's ebbs and flows, but you just, instead of like hitting the harsh bits, you just kind of flow through it all and it's fun and it's beautiful. And it's, yeah, there's something greater at play, that's for sure. And it's fun to play in that instead of thinking we're in control, just handing over our control and just trust that this gift of life, like how crazy is it that we're even here right now? Like in this human body, having this experience, it's just like, everything's amazing. So amazing. We did a practice that morning with the challenge group. We wrote down some three times, three kind of key moments where something really challenging came up for us. And in hindsight, looking for the gifts or looking for some blessings that came out of those challenging times. And so many things came out of it. Like even if you're going through the death of a loved one, could be like, the kindness that someone shows you or someone comes and makes your meal or family wounds being healed. And there is always gifts in everything we're going through if we start to look for them. And even in hindsight, when you can look back at challenging times and go, actually, I got so much out of that experience and I learned so much and it's built my character and it's changed me in a certain way. You don't feel so frightened when big stuff shows up or if there's big stuff around the corner, it's like, okay, I know this is going to teach me something. Yeah. And lean in, lean in. Yeah. And be present, be present for it all. Don't miss the opportunity for the lessons that are there. Deepening your presence and drop deeper into that moment. And just like, how present can I be in this adversity or this intensity? Like how much can I feel it all and not be afraid? And that's where our greatest growth comes from. It really does. Yeah, it really does, doesn't it? It's the challenging times that help us grow, help us evolve. I've probably said on the podcast before, but one of Ash's friends, Dave Rastovich, has this great quote. I'm not sure where he got it from, but this is where we heard it from first from him, but smooth seas never made a skillful sailor. Right. Love that saying. It's so, so true. So true, isn't it? It's it's You just need to learn. This is the funny thing is that we're not given the tools growing up, even the manual on how to be human. So that's what makes life a little bit tricky sometimes because we're thrown in all these big things coming at us and we just don't know how to deal with stuff. So mm-hmm. there's so many practices and techniques out there that support our nervous system and there's so many great things that we can do to really support ourselves so when the big waves come, we're like, we can ride them. We're not completely bowled over and held down. And But it does take your active participation and commitment to yourself, commitment to your inner strength and your evolution and your growth. So when these times come, you're ready for it. So, it's, so this is the thing about the practice too. It's like, yeah, you feel calm in that moment, but it's really building the system to be stable when these moments come. And after what is it for me? Like maybe close to 30 years of practice. <laughs> I was really put to the test massively with this one. My dog died too. I didn't tell you that. My beautiful dog that mm. we were so in love with, she died as well in, in the process. So I really had the rug pulled out from underneath me on all levels of my life. And I'm just so grateful for the practices and the techniques that I've learned over the years to support me through that because it did 100%. Yeah. And that's why practices are so good and not just to use them when we're going through a hard time, but doing them daily. (laughs) Yeah. In saying that, obviously, Sam, you've always got lots of things on offer. You've got courses running all the time. You've got beautiful retreats happening. Yeah. There's lots of stuff going on for you. So if people wanted to reach out to you, they could go to the soulfullifestyle.com.au and learn some of these practices from someone like yourself who has had 30 years experience, has lived it, has just gone through a big grief and what a beautiful person to learn from. And I think say going on a retreat or something like that with you, you get to immerse in those practices and come out of something like that with all these tools in your tool belt and 
hopefully a reset nervous system and just to be cared for and nurtured by someone like yourself and guided to have a teacher like you is what a beautiful thing what a beautiful gift so yeah if anyone would like to reach out to you I'll put links in the show notes for everything that you've got coming up is there anything else you wanted to mention today Sam? No I think that's about it it's uh, always beautiful being here and yeah just sharing these life moments because we're all human we all have crazy times and my deepest kind of offering is just helping people navigate because I see so much pain and suffering and I'm like if only people just had a bit of understanding about how we operate and how we can really support ourselves because I feel like I've had some pretty hardcore moments in my life and I've taught myself these lessons and and been to great teachers, but there is a way like you are stronger than you know, and you are capable to deal with any of these moments that life present you, but you've got to do the work. You've got to make that commitment to yourself and it is possible. So I think so many people find it maybe a bit overwhelming, like where do I start or what do I do? I have really simple breathwork techniques just to get you started. And then once you start to have that experiential experience for yourself, you know that there's something deeper going on within you and it gives you that inner strength and that courage to keep going forward on that path because it doesn't just serve us. It really does serve everyone around us. So that's the power and the beauty of these the practices. So thanks again, Danny. Yeah, amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your time. And are you still doing your Friday free sessions on Zoom yes. in the morning? Yeah. Yes, Tell us be- about that because that's we've a great free offering and a great introduction to a, you. Yeah, absolutely great introduction. We have a beautiful big community that's just growing, growing and growing on there, which I love. So every Friday, 6.15 Sydney time, we just do a half an hour breathwork session. Sometimes I have a little ramble about something, whatever comes up or comes through at that time. I am heading to India and Brazil in four weeks. So there'll be a couple of weeks off. I'm going to try and drop in while I'm in India, but we'll see how that flows. But it's a great introduction, a great place to start if you're new to breath work. Uh, If you're curious, feel free to jump in. There's also on my website, there's a virtual studio where there's some very basic places to start a few seven day journeys. But yeah, keep an eye out on Instagram. There's always new courses and you know journeys coming up. Amazing. Yeah. And some of your amazing retreats too, as well. So fantastic, Sam. Thank you so much, you beautiful human. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Beautiful. Thanks, Danny. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Bye, my friend. Bye-bye.